2: Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast "Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books." Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for weekly updates about my podcasts, events, and more. Also, follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens and also at moms don't have time to read books. And finally, join my virtual book club called Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which meets every other Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time until 3 p.m. and features half an hour of book club discussion followed by 30 minutes of Q and A with the author whose book we've just discussed. You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. I don't know about any of you, but I am still obsessed with Mindy Kaling after her amazing appearance on The Office. Um, She is also an author, for those of you who don't know. This is her third work. It's called Nothing Like I Imagined, and it's an Amazon original story. It's a collection of short stories, six of them about how she juggles life as a new mom actress and Hollywood power Buncher. and her story collection is actually the sponsor of this episode. Uh, it was written and narrated by Mindy, and it's great to listen to on the go. Available in audio and ebook format, Prime members can listen and read it for free. So you can download this today at amazoncom Stories. That's amazoncom Stories. It's absolutely hilarious, and just you will not want to stop reading. So check it out today: amazoncom Stories. I have like one of the best podcasts ever, I think, with Heather Land, who is a popular comedian with a reach of more than 107 million fans. She's the creator of viral video series, I Ain't Doing It and the author of essays by the same name. And now she's out with a new collection called A Perfect Ten, The Truth About Things I'm Not and Never Will Be. She has an amazing Southern wit, sassy sarcasm, and her ongoing series, I Ain't Doing It, has really become a viral phenomenon. She has two amazing children and currently lives in Nashville, Tennessee. I don't know if her children are amazing, but that's what it says here. Anyway, enjoy our episode. Heather's like my new BFF. Hey! are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. (laughs) Sorry you beat me to the Zoom here. (laughs) That's okay.
3: I'm usually the late one, so I wanted to try to jump the gun this morning. So Love it. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
2: Oh my gosh, I'm thrilled to have you, and I've been really excited to to do it.
3: (laughs) Thank you. You've given me a reason to get up this morning and put on a bra, so I appreciate it.
2: I mean, that might be the most useful thing I do for anyone all day. (laughs) So, it's like a reason to live so yeah. that that's good yeah
1: work.
2: <laughs> well congrats on the release of your latest bug the perfect Thank 10 you. so exciting oh look at your eye ain't doing it mug look at that of course i yeah. represent this morning right Yes, exactly. I think I yeah. saw that like, your shirts were sold out or you're re-releasing your shirts. Aren't you doing something with merch or something? Do you have a new t-shirt? Yeah, we have a new 2020 I Ain't Doing yes. It. And they sold out in like
3: two hours. We were like, oh, we grossly underbought. We've got to rethink this. So yeah, we got to make a new order. And that's a good problem to have, you know. It's but, a good
2: problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> so for people who aren't as familiar with your trajectory to becoming this sensation, comedian, you, you know, Instagram fan, Non-ness author, ever. everything. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about how you got started and how you ended up here?
3: Yeah, it's just kind of a crazy, weird phenomenon, really. I had just gone through a divorce after almost 15 years of marriage, and I had been in ministry my whole life and leading worship. And my ex-husband was a youth pastor. And so, you know, when you go through a divorce in the church world, church work is very emotional and it takes heart and soul, you know, and I just didn't see a way to continue doing that at that point. You know, it's really broken and needed to kind of heal. So I moved home from Colorado. I was in Colorado and I moved home to Tennessee, moved in with my parents for about three months, me and my kids. That was great fun. And then finally got a little rent house, got a job. A really good friend of mine gave me a job doing some administrative work for him and then ended up creating a refinance department, essentially, for his company. And he put me in charge of it. And I'm like, listen, I can barely do simple addition. So are you sure? But he really took a gamble and, and gave me a, a you know good job with some stability. So in the meantime, my kids had turned me on to Snapchat. And, So I found the ugliest filter I could find on Snapchat and was just making really stupid videos between me and a couple of my friends. And they were like, you need to put these on social media. And I said, absolutely not. I mean, you know, I'm single. This is not the way to get, this is not the way to get a date, you know? So I I wouldn't do it for the longest. And then finally on a dare, one of them dared me and I can't even remember what the what my reward was for doing it, but it was evidently something really great. So I finally posted my first video to Facebook to my personal page and people started watching it and they were messaging me saying, We love your I ain't doing it videos. Is that what they're called? And I was like, they're not called to anything. I don't even know what you're talking about. I ain't doing it because I didn't even realize that I had said it. So I had to go back out and rewatch it. And I was like, oh, I did say I ain't doing it. So people were asking me for more. And I was like, okay, yeah, we'll make some more I ain't doing it videos, you know. So I I made two or three more. And then Susanna Lewis, whoa, Susanna, she reached out to me. And she actually was one of my neighbors, but I never knew her at the time. And she just said, can I post a video? And I said, sure. You know, I've got a big girl job, so I don't really care. You can do whatever you want, you know. And she said, well, you're going to need to start a fan page because people will start following you. And I didn't even understand what she was talking about, you know, and I was mortified to start a fan page. I just, I said, absolutely not. You know, people are going to think I want to be a comedian and, you know, like I've got a real job. I'm not trying to be a comedian. And she said, I'm telling you, you're going to want to, you're going to want to start that page to keep people like away from your kids and all that. So I did. I started a fan page. I went to work that morning. It was uh, September the 6th, 2017. And I started that fan page. And when I went to church that night, there were, we still go to church on Wednesday nights in the South, you know, so I went to church that night and there were 750 followers, which I thought was amazing. And then when I came home, she had posted her video, obviously. So when I came home, there were like 55,000 followers and it just kept going up and up and up. And after a month, the page was at a million. And so I had my two cousins and a girlfriend answering thousands of messages every day. And they would report back, you know, I'm sitting here typing at work and they're just blowing me up on my phone and saying people, people want you to come to their churches and their events and their theaters. And I'm like, what do they want me to do? You know? And they wanted me to do comedy. And I told my friend Tasha, I said, I am not a comedian. And she said, yes, you are. You just don't get paid for it. So do you want to, <laughs> you want to try to get paid for it? And I'm like, I don't know. So yeah, two weeks later, I quit my job, sold my brand new house that I had just built. And I moved in with some friends in Nashville for about three months. So I found a place and sold a bunch of t-shirts to get me by for a few months. So I'd have a paycheck. And here we are. I went on tour. I've done a couple of tours now and it's the weirdest life I've ever lived, but I'm just, I just am loving it. And I'm just taking it in stride, you know, I'm like, okay,
2: whatever's next. Let's, let's oh, see. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah, it's been I saw on your Instagram that you met. Your husband was your production manager on your tour. Yes,
3: We're getting married in 24 days. He was my production manager on my first tour. My manager introduced me to him and said, this is your production manager for, for this round. And we jumped on a bus and I just fell in love pretty immediately. And we've been inseparable ever since. And now he is really my road manager, essentially, if I can ever get back on the road because of COVID. And yeah, we just obviously get each other and our line of work. And we love being on the road. We love traveling. And yeah, it's been awesome all the way around. Just, yeah, really sweet, redemptive story after, you know, going through quite a bit. it's It's been a relief
2: and a joy, you know? It's amazing. It's like we get like yeah. a sneak peek at a happy ending already. <laughs>
3: right. It's for me too. I just, every day I wake up this morning, and I said, we're getting married in 24 days. Like every day is just so exciting. And it's, I've never... Live that life. It's so, it's yeah, it's very weird and wonderful. I'm, yeah, I just love it, loving it.
2: I have to say, as I was sort of researching you and reading your book and learning about your story, I feel like there's some parallels because I also got divorced. I was, I guess, 40 when I got divorced or. I don't know, around there. And I had four kids and, you know, had to sort of start over again. And that's actually how I ended up starting this podcast, which came out of nowhere for me. <laughs> and now wow. it's become a whole thing. And I actually got remarried a couple of years ago now. But apart, like totally fell in love and like my own like sort of redemptive story. So Uh, anyway, when I was looking at your pictures and getting all ready for the wedding, I was thinking back to my wedding and dresses for my little girls and my boys. I don't know. Anyway. so I love you. We
3: have coffee like off the record soon. So we can talk about all that. Cause I would like to dig into that a little more because you know, it's interesting. I, I did, like I said, I did ministry my whole life, but once I went through a divorce, it opened me up to a whole new group of people that i never could relate to and really it's like half of the population right yeah. <laughs> and so i'm like oh wow this is a new ball game that like people have gone through a lot when they've gotten divorced and i had no clue and it really does change the whole game you do you start you start over yes. you have to check the divorced box on your taxes like that was a tough one for me it is just a stripping away of everything that you thought represented stability to you. And really, I feel like even though I have found this new side of, I've tapped into this new side of myself that I didn't even know was there, I really have found who I am, I think, you know, through divorce.
2: It's been such a beautiful experience on this side of it. I feel the same way. That's why sometimes I feel like I want to shout it from the rooftops. I'm like, I'm me again. Like I had lost me for so long. I didn't think I was coming back, but now it's right. like, this is just who I am. And now like every day I just get to like talk to people and record <laughs> it. Like, but it's not just in my professional life. It's like in every area, right? It's just right. like, it's just like, you know, my mom says, it's like, you know, your sparkle comes back. It's like, you just... I don't know. It's this. Well, new- you're like
3: alive again, you know. Yep. Really, you just and hopefully for you, I, it seems like this is your story as well. That you have a partner now who lets you be you and gives you the freedom to, you know, explore who you are and all the changes of who you are. And that's really what Stephen does for me. You know, he just he loves me every every phase and whether I'm a comedian or not, he doesn't care. You know, like at first I thought, oh gosh, he only knows me on the road. Is he still going to love me, you know, off the road? And then COVID hit, and I'm like, okay, here we go. This yeah. is this is going to test the waters. And we've had the greatest time quarantining together. Like, uh, we just, yeah, just love each other's company, and he really lets me just be me. It is just so refreshing.
2: Amazing. How is it with your kids? Quarantine or... Well, both. I mean, ahead. with him. I mean, like sort of incorporating a new guy into the into the scene. Yeah, it's been wonderful. They
3: absolutely adore him. They're thrilled, you know, about the wedding. And I'm kind of like you, you know, I'm picking out my son's, We got went and got his suit and getting my daughter's dress, you know. They absolutely adore him. And he, he doesn't have children. And he's never wanted kids, but he always potentially saw himself marrying someone with children. He loves the older age. Which I know nothing about. Like I'm all about that baby phase, and now I've got a 17 year old and a almost 14 year old, and I have no clue what to do with them. Not to mention, we are virtual schooling, and I am the most technically challenged human being on. Like I, Stephen left to go send off some T-shirts, and I was like, "Please don't leave me alone with Zoom. I'm scared." (laughs) He said, "You don't." he, He looked at my phone. He said, "You don't even have Zoom on your phone." on your phone. Like how have I been surviving? But anyway, all to say he is the technical guru of the family. So right now, while they're both virtual schooling, I am not parenting. I just lay around and drink coffee in my pajamas while he parents. And you know what? I'm like, listen, it's your turn. It's your turn. I'm tired. I'm tapping out. So it's really been a great partnership That's awesome. in my, from my perspective anyway.
2: <laughs> my husband is the same. He didn't have kids of his own. And yeah, he just sort of like walked into our situation and just embraced it. And, you know, now he like cuts all the kids' hair and he does all the cooking. Oh and he does. I'm scared so to meet this guy. He buys a lot of their clothes and like the coolest this and that. And like, you know, things that I just... Whoa. No, you know, he's up on all of it. And yeah, it's such a gift. You know, it's like a A true
3: gift. Yes. And zero to four, man, he deserves like more than a pat on the back. I don't know, but good for him for embracing it. That's so wonderful. I
2: love that. Before we even got together I was like, okay, just don't even kiss me because I have four kids and <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not having any more kids and like yeah. you can go meet some pretty young thing and have lots of babies and have your life and just like let me walk down the beach the other way.
3: <laughs> yes, you are so funny. I said the same thing to Steven. I said, "Listen, um you you don't have to sign up for this. Like this is a lot. I've yep. got baggage, I've got kids. I've, you know, got a lot of history. So don't, you know, save yourself and run. Yeah. And he just wouldn't. And every day that he stayed, I just, I think it made me love him so much more, you know?
2: Yeah. I feel you that. do know, you get it. Yeah, I totally get it. It's funny because yeah. I don't, I don't often meet people in the same sort of life age situation. Hardly ever. I'm trying to think if I know anybody, but anyway, it's nice. To- yeah, I really,
3: I want to interview you. Like I want to ask you more questions. <laughs> so I definitely. We need to continue this at a later date for sure. Yes, I
2: would love to. I would really love
0: to. Oh, my gosh. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites.
1: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode is sponsored by
2: BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything Visit BetterHelp.com slash Moms Don't Have Time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel pcom slash Moms Don't Have Time. By the way, I read in your book that you grew up with a payphone in your house. And I thought that was like one of the most memorable details I've read lately.
3: <laughs> yes, it's one of my most memorable details of my life. And it's turned out to be a great memory, actually, but at the time, it was not. You know, obviously, you read my mom lived only 30 minutes from her family, but it was still long distance, and she was running up that phone bill, man, and and my dad was not having any more of it, so... He told her she didn't quit. He spit the payphone in, and he was he stuck to his word. So yeah, we had to put it, we had a little bowl of dimes sitting on top of it. So we'd have to stick a dime in there every time we wanted to talk. And then the cord was, you know, like maybe a you know a foot and a half. So you weren't going anywhere, and everybody was listening to your combo right there in the hall. Yeah, it was wow, wow. It was wow. I don't even know what to say about it. It was <laughs> scary.
2: Yeah, not fun in your book that you were always like the kid from the very beginning who would try to entertain the grown ups as an only child. Like you would, that would just like be your thing, like making people laugh or entertaining them. That's just who you are. Is that just how it was? Well, you know, mostly
3: I entertained them with my hairbrush as I would sing. And that was kind of my gig as a kid. And, and whenever anybody asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I wanted to be a singer. That's all I cared about. And so my parents kind of you know, pawned me off as the singing entertainment. And I was petrified every time, but I always loved it. And I always did it. So yeah, that's kind of where it started. But always growing up, I was, I think, the one who always tried to try to get a joke in kind of under the radar, you know, and sarcasm really got me through life. I mean, I touched on it just a little bit in this new book, because I'm honestly trying to just test the waters with it, but I talked a little bit about just growing up with an addictive parent in the house, and I think sarcasm really helped me kind of muddle through that unknowingly. I didn't even realize that's, you know, that was a coping mechanism that's now turned into a career, but I do think that's what it was. It's just a way, a way to cope, you know, so yeah, I think I've always been, I've always been, interestingly, very melancholy. Like, I cry a lot, but I also am super sarcastic and optimistic at the same time. So it's quite the conundrum, quite the split personality. But yeah, the comedy side has really
2: just helped me through life. It still does every day. I mean, that's what they say, right? Like you just have to have a sense of humor. Um, but you
3: got to laugh or you'll cry. That's what we yeah. say in the
2: same Yeah, oh, okay. That's a better, uh, <laughs>
3: better <laughs> You got to laugh or you'll cry.
2: <laughs> you laugh or you'll cry. So tell me about how the writing entered into your life. So you started the viral videos and things started blowing up. And then when did this become a writing thing?
3: Yeah, so I think it was actually a few weeks before I even posted a video. I really felt in my heart, I'll never forget where I was. I was sitting in the, my bedroom in my house and I was just writing on my computer, just like a little you know, blog entry, except that I had no blog. And I thought, you know what? I think I'm going to start a blog. And I remember texting a friend. And just telling her that I feel like I'm supposed to start a blog. I don't know why, but I'm just going to throw it out there and see what sticks to the wall. So yeah, I started a little WordPress, you know, free blog spot and started just posting a few entries, you know, random entries. And once the videos went viral, I got approached by some literary agents and I didn't even know what a literary agent was. I read the emails and I was like, I don't really know what this means. A friend of mine was like, they're wanting to try to get you a book deal. And I'm like, a book deal? Like, I mean, I'm just so new to all of it. And I thought, well, okay. I mean, I've, I've got a blog. I mean, and I know how to communicate. So let's give it a go. And as you can see from my writing, it is very conversational. I mean, there is nothing fancy about it. It is exactly like I would sit here and talk to you but I think it works for, for a humor book, you know, and, and for comedy, it's relatable and it's, it's pretty dumbed down. I mean, anybody with a third grade reading level can, can snatch it
2: up and get through it in a day. I mean, it's, it's pretty so simple, fun. but it is. Yeah. Fun. But that's how it started. You were playing the book down tremendously. <laughs> and by the <laughs> way, being able to like take what's in your head and get it on the page is not something that everybody can do. Like, that uh-huh. is actually a
3: skill. <laughs> so You're so sweet.
2: You know what? Sometimes
3: I, sometimes I think, and I've said this to Steven, I've said, I think I just need to go write my thoughts down because I'm better on paper. If I can write you a letter and tell you how I feel, it will come out so much more accurately and eloquently than if I try to muddle through the millions of thoughts in my brain. For some reason, yeah, it's almost a better means of communication. Too bad I can't. Put tape over my mouth and
2: just put a pin my in my hand. Kyle was finally like, "You cannot email me anymore." He's like, "Stop emailing me these paragraph long things," <laughs> and he can't get <laughs> through them. text because I'd be like, "Here's how I feel," and da-da-da. And he's like, "I'm sitting like right here." He'd be like, that's "On the couch," you know. I'd be like, because that's how it's so much easier to like say it right and get it down. And I don't know. So yeah, and delete.
3: You can delete before it's out there for yeah. everybody. You can't, before you can, you know, not take it back. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. You get it. You get I it. Yeah.
2: Like, I don't have time to read all of these. <laughs> After a while, I'm like,
3: ready? <laughs> well, anyway, put them in your memoir, you know?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta save those, dig them up somewhere. <laughs> That's right, girl. Yeah. So then how did you find the whole experience? Like, and tell me about the first book versus the second book and how that whole... How was it with a book out there, your whole yeah. life out there, like your kids, people responding to it and all of that?
3: Well, it's interesting. The first book, you know, I had kind of this well of blog entries to draw from, and I knew that I wanted it to be just kind of an, an essay book, you know, like standalone chapters. You don't have to read it in order, simple stories. And so the first one, I think I had, there was so much momentum behind, you know, I was on tour like they would, I would watch Steven. He's on the stage working during the day. Of course, I don't go on until the night. So I would sit up in the balcony at whatever venue we were at, and I would just write. And it was a really fun, easy experience for me. Yeah. Like I said, I think the momentum of the time kept, kept me going, kept the juices flowing. The second one, if I'm being totally honest was the first thought that came into my head was, I don't know how in the world I'm going to write a second book. Like I have nothing to say. Like, I'm so tired. I'm so (laughs) tired. So I did pinch hit a little bit with this book. I really, one of my best friends, if I was having a bridal party, she would be my maid of honor. She is throwing me a bridal lunch and doing the whole thing, but we're not having a, a wedding party. But anyway, she's a great writer. Her name is Heather Leonard. And she's in Mississippi, but I asked her to help me with this book. So we kind of tag teamed it and she did a, most of the heavy lifting with my stories and we talked through it and, you know, rewrote and had fun girl weekends where we got together and wrote. So it was really nice to have a little bit of help from somebody on the outside that was kind of pulling things out of me. And the book is very similar in style. It's it's another uh, essay book, you know, it's it's standalone chapters about you know, nonsense, and just more stories of growing up Southern. I do write a whole chapter about Stephen and how we met, and I write, like I said at the beginning of, of our combo, a little bit about growing up in addiction. That is something that I really do want to write more about and talk more about, but I don't want to, I'm trying to ride that fine line of being a comedian and saying telling my story, but without embarrassing or disrespecting anyone. That's definitely not, you know, in my heart to do. So I've really tried to, to find the balance. And so I wrote a little bit about it, which was just kind of me tiptoeing in to see uh, how I felt and, and to see how it was received. I mean, it's nothing too deep, but I do want to get that part of the story out there because I think people will relate and it's honest and it's real. And a lot of people go through it, you know, that people that we don't even realize. So I want to give people a platform to, or the freedom to share that part of their story. So that's why I wrote about it. My kids, you know, when it comes to writing or comedy or anything that I do, they just think I'm an idiot. They are completely unimpressed with me. They, my son constantly says, I cannot believe you make a living doing this. Like it is just, it is baffling to him and and to me too. But yeah, they're not impressed with any, you know, I wrote in the first book, I think the, I dedicated it to them or I wrote in the acknowledgements to them. They don't care. They're like, Oh, that's sweet. Thanks. They just want to go be with their friends to, for me to buy them a skateboard so they can skate, give them money to go shop, you know, Typical teenage life, unimpressed with mom, which is awesome. You know, I wouldn't have it any other way, really.
2: Yeah. How else would? You stay humble. I mean,
3: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely.
2: So How did you? How did you monetize the comedy? Was it going on the road and selling tickets? Not mm-hmm. to dive into your personal finances here. No, no, I'm no.
3: Yeah, that's a totally fair question. Yeah, just going to, uh, doing live events. That's the way. So. So I have no money anymore because I haven't been on the road in a year. I've done one show this year. It was on Valentine's Day. But yeah, that's what has, you know, brought in the money. Merch helps a little bit. It helps just, you know, monthly pay the bills. So I'm very grateful for that. But very ready to get back on the road. Yeah, not just because that's my livelihood, but I just really love the people. I love every time I get on the stage. I feel like I'm in somebody's living room. Like it's scary, but it's so fun. And the relationship that I'm able to somehow develop between me and the people overrides the nerves. You know, writing a set is very daunting. I mean, and my, I don't know about you, but my creative process is weird. Everybody's is different, but you know, for me, Well, I have a friend who's a songwriter, and he says, he tells me, you have to schedule in creativity. You have to schedule it. And I try to do it. I try to do it his way, but it doesn't work for me. I mean, I'll go to writing sessions, and I still write songs, and I've got some buddies that I write with. And if I'm not feeling it, nothing comes out of it every time. But the minute that I'm feeling inspiration, and eventually I always do feel it, I'll just say, I got to go. I got to go. Right. I've got, you know, or I'll get in the car or I'll get in the bathtub. Those are my two best places to think and write. It's the weirdest thing. And it just comes out. So, yeah, the process is super weird, but the payoff is being in in front of people and, and doing the live comedy. And man, it's quite the thrill for me. And
2: you're bringing a laptop into the tub? You know, I just got my notes out on my phone. Oh, the phone. Just, okay. okay. Yeah, just got
3: my phone out. I'm thinking the- this
2: is a very risky writing <laughs> habit here. I'm, all right.
3: I'm like, well, what if I would do have is- one of those long things that goes across my tub that I can yeah. sit my okay. computer on I, yeah, I'm super scared. So I'm better with just my phone. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of how it
2: how it goes for me. So do you have any advice for to aspiring authors now, having written books and all the sets you do and everything else? Oh Lord. First of all. I am
3: not one to be giving advice. Let's just throw out that disclaimer. But since you asked, this is my advice. Be honest and be authentic. Because I just feel like that's what people want to hear, right? They want something they can relate to. They want here like I've been in church my whole life, right? So I've sat through a million and one sermons and I've fallen asleep. And Probably three quarters of those, but the minute somebody starts talking about something they went through or a personal story from their own life, I perk up, right? And I think we all do so that's my advice, like start with the real thing, whatever it is, tap into how you know what you know. Is it because of an experience? yes, so so write about that let me let me know how you went through that thing and how you got through that divorce and how you got through that addiction. People are sick of fake, you know, I'm so sick of that. I I have no room for it. So yeah, I think be honest and push through the, what's the word, non-creative moments, you know, then don't, and don't quit. Yeah. It's
2: pretty simple on, from, from my perspective anyway. Love it. Well, Heather, thank you. Thank you for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I really would love to keep talking. And- I, know, <laughs> I know, Call me
3: back. <laughs> Call me on my cell phone. Let's get together. Where are you? I'm in New York.
2: I'm in New York. Where are you? Oh,
3: my. It's my favorite city. I'll, hey, I'll come to you. Okay? Great. I'll love come it. to you. We'll have coffee. We'll Can we go to Chelsea Market? It's my favorite place in New York. It's still
2: open. I wonder if it's open now. Oh,
3: if I'm sure it's not. But I'll once COVID's COVID. over. But yeah,
2: I would love it. Let's do it. That sounds great. And What's where are you? Out? You're in Nashville Tennessee? Or? Nashville, yeah. I've never been there. It's like the top of my list. Yeah. Okay. Well, you come to me too. Yeah, like, I would love to come there. Yeah. That sounds great. Okay. <laughs> I can't
3: wait. Thank
2: right. you so much. I've enjoyed bye. it. Okay. Bye. bye. Thanks so much to Mindy Kaling and her book, Nothing Like I Imagined, for sponsoring this episode. You can get it on Amazon.com slash Mindy Stories. And again, it's called Nothing Like I Imagined. Go check it out. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music.
1: Hold up.